You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, South Bay Church. Good to uh, be here today with all of you. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Uh, as uh, if you're just now tuning in, you may have missed it, but Jackie had a uh, pretty awesome announcement. And you know, sorry. No, actually, we've got our third grandkid on the way, so super excited about that. I uh, hope you've been having a great weekend so far. That you're staying safe and healthy. And do want to give a special shout out to our guest. Uh, really, really grateful that you're joining us here this morning as we talk about Jesus Christ and the impact that He's had on our lives. I do want to thank Brian in particular for uh, his message last week, uh, talking about communication and how Jesus was real and vulnerable in his communication, which he contrasted with Judas falling victim to Satan. And I, I do love the uh, particular word that, uh, or uh, words that Brian used there, and that, say, or, uh, that Satan is the disruptor of operational communication. That sounds like something that would come out of my mouth, so it, it definitely rolls right off my tongue. And, um, you know, I think as we, we look at our lives, there's another operational, or disruptor of operational communication, which is our mask, the mask that we can wear and the mask that we can hide behind. And uh, that is the title of the message this morning, Behind the Mask. And for those of you know, that know, I am a nerd, I am a Star Wars fan, and uh, you know, from what I understand, they actually have come out with a Darth Vader mask now that is fully self-contained and would filter out COVID-19, but uh, probably a little, bit ch- uh, a little bit more expensive than the disposable mask that I use. So, but you know, it is that time of year as we're going through the community uh, we've got those Halloween pop-up stores that are starting to show up on every corner. And I don't know about you, but when I was young, I really enjoyed Halloween. Halloween was a fun time of the year. Uh, you know, it didn't have anything to do with the witches and ghosts, but it was all about dressing up and uh, the candy. Well, actually, maybe maybe more about the candy. Yes. The last time I went out trick-or-treating, was uh, I was a freshman in high school, and I had a pillowcase that I took with me. No, you're not the little bag or the basket that the kids use, but a pillowcase. And uh, let me just say, we knew all the key areas in the neighborhood to go to. I had full-size Snickers bars, Three Musketeers, Milky Ways, all that good stuff. And uh, wasn't feeling a whole really good there for a couple days, but uh, you know, just thinking that through. Oh, when it comes to Halloween, did I say it was about the candy? Yeah. It's still that way today. I mean, I love where we used to live in Redondo, and that I would buy cu- uh, candy for the kids, and we never had anybody come through. So you know, I just was stuck with all these chocolates that I had to eat myself. But you know, when it comes to Halloween, again, for some people, it's a bigger deal than Christmas. And you know, it really made me start thinking about the psychology behind. Halloween. Now, Halloween is actually an ancient Celtic holiday in which people believed that they needed masks to protect themselves from the demons or the bad spirits that roamed around the planet on All Hallows' Eve. And for those of you, I I know we've got some historians in the group as well as some thespians like Dave Atkins. And, um, you know, I I know Dave probably knows the origin of the mask because he's both an actor and a (laughs) historian. But in its earliest origins, I wanted to, I picked out a couple of tidbits, and it, it started in the form that most of us are familiar with, and that is the, the Greek actors. And most of us are familiar with the thespian mask from that period. There's the comedy mask, it's a humorous kind of face, and then there's the tragedy mask. And those symbols date back to Greek mythology. If we go back to ancient Greece, it's said that these masks were used in early plays to represent the emotions 
of the characters, which ultimately they had big turnouts, so unless you were in the first few rows, you couldn't understand or see what the actors were emoting, so they had these large, hideous kind of faces that could be seen further out in the crowd for those that were in the uh, nosebleeders back in the day. Now, the word hypocrite comes from the Greek word hypocrites, which is an actor or a stage player. And it literally translates an interpreter from underneath, which reflects the ancient Greek actors that wore those masks and spoke from underneath the mask. So, this meaning ended up transitioning its way into medieval France and England, where it showed up as hypocrite in the 13th century religious test, referring to someone who pretends to be morally good or pious in order to really deceive others. So, one of the reasons for the mask, as we think about it even today, is you can hide behind a mask. With a mask, there's absolutely no accountability. You know, we, we see that a lot today. It's kind of interesting. I never thought there'd be a point in time in my life where I could walk into a bank wearing a mask and it wouldn't create all kinds of <laughs> chaos and fear. But that's, that's, the, that's kind of the culture today. You know, we, we look at a lot of the... Uh, the protests and the violence that's taking place out in the streets, uh, I wonder how much of that would really be going on if people weren't wearing masks. So I think in a lot of ways it, uh, it's just amazing how we can't hide behind them. Mm. Now that I'm older, I don't dress up for Halloween anymore. Oh. <laughs> well, for those of you that didn't hear, my wife in the background says it's not true, so I don't know, maybe there's... Something that it's, I'm just leaving that one alone. I'm not even going down that path. But thousands of years later, people are still wearing masks. You know, we can hide behind anything like a false smile to our Dr. Dre headphones or to my favorite, which, uh, you know, is something that uh, we see from time to time. And that's people who wear dark glasses even indoors. You know, celebrities like Brian Hood. But uh, for those of you that know Brian, Brian, love you, bro. But I think with that, just thinking through masks, as you can see in this next slide, there's a lot of masks that we can wear. Uh, we can hide behind a mask or, or try to hide our emotions when it comes to things like pain or depression, guilt, fear, uh, hiding our talent. You know, I mean, there's a lot of very talented people that are part of the kingdom, but for fear or just maybe not wanting to use them, it's, it's amazing how we can use those things in the world, but we're a little reticent when it comes to God's kingdom. We might, it might be a mask of anxiety or emptiness. But for me, before I became a Christian, it was something that I wore like the cloth mask we wear today. For me, it seemed to be a lot easier to hide behind this invisible mask when people were around. A mask designed to fool others into, you know, just thinking that I'm doing okay. You know, assuming my day is going well, that I was happy or content or in control of my life. But it was a mask that I put on ultimately to hide anger, frustration, uh, poor self-esteem, guilt, some instances guilt and or shame. And really thinking that through, I didn't have to wear a mask, but it was something that ultimately I felt safer behind. Can any of you relate to that? Yeah. You know, have you ever put on a mask like any of the things that we've talked about so far this morning? You know, maybe you're wearing a mask right now today. And I know I'm not the only one. There's so many people out there wearing masks trying to hide the hurt, the pain, the guilt, the feelings of unworthiness or feelings of depression and emptiness. And in some instances, those are actual consequences of life choices that we make. But there are other instances where that's not so much the case. 
You know, other masks are born out of abuses that we've been subjected to. But either way, we have these invisible masks that we wear. And Scripture reminds me that even though I may be able to put on a mask and fool the people around me, I cannot fool God. That's right. Scripture reveals that, that God knows who I am. He knows that I'm, what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing and what I'm thinking. He knows what is causing me pain and what I'm trying to hide from everyone else, even from Him. And we're, we're created to desire to truly know, be, to know and be known. And this is really something that's in our DNA. This is intrinsic of every human heart. Yet we have this fear of vulnerability that we need to overcome if we're really going to connect with God and connect with others. In Psalm 69, verse 5, it reads, Psalm 69, verse 5, O God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. You know, this tells me that I can't just simply put on a mask and hide my guilt from God. And then in Luke 22, verse 47, it says, while he was still speaking, this is Jesus here, Luke 22, verse 47, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up to the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? See, even in this situation, Judas honestly thought that he could hide this act of betrayal from Jesus by putting on this mask of pleasantries. I, I would imagine there may have even been a smile as he held out his arms to embrace Jesus and give him a kiss. And Jesus knew exactly what was going on. So again, this morning, what mask do you wear? And why? You know, I was reading an article in Psychology Today which says one of the most common reasons we wear masks is what's referred to as imposter syndrome. And that's even becoming more and more of a thing today when it comes to how we try to portray ourselves on social media. You know, that, and, it, and there's all these other issues, mental issues that come along with it when we have to step away from our cell phones and actually engage in the real world. You know, real-time conversations rather than a text stream where you can take the time to start to type something and then pull it back and edit it before you send it out. And we know in real-time conversations, that just doesn't take place. There's no time for an edit. And ultimately, I think that's one of the problems that we do have today and that we've got to make sure that we think that we're quick to listen and slow to speak, especially as we head into this political climate we're heading into this year. You know, this, this fear is something that's described as feeling like a fake, like you don't really belong or you aren't really successful, but you're posing as such. And it says that around 25 to 30 percent of all high achievers can suffer from imposter syndrome. You know, when I was uh, younger, this is when I was in, it must have been my freshman year in high school, I think, I hope. Um, but I do remember showing up at one of my best friend's house on Halloween, dressed up as Yoda. <laughs> now, you might wonder how that works as a guy that's six foot one. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a backstory on this. I came to the door, and I knew that my, my buddy's nephew was there, who was two years old, little Nels. And uh, so I had a pretty, pretty uh, a robe that was more than able to hide my body when I got down on my knees. So I'm down on my knees in my Yoda costume, and little Nels comes to the front door, and He's like all fired up at first, but then I slowly stood up to my full six foot one, and it totally freaked him out. He started crying, and he ran into another part of the house, and my friend's mom's all, Steve, take off the mask. So I took off the mask, and they brought Nels back, and she went on to tell him, see, Nels, it's just Steve. 
you know, I think when it comes to our lives, it's interesting how we can respond to different things. One of our greatest fears is that if we show our true selves, those around us will say, oh, it's just you. And by being just you is actually the best and most perfect thing you could ever do. Oscar Wilde, an author, wrote this quote. He says, be yourself. It's a very simple quote. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Or if you're interested more so in a, a spiritual perspective on this, God's got it dialed in too. When the psalmist wrote, I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. See, God sees all, God knows all, and yet he sent Jesus to me. That is so mind-boggling. He knew me when I was at my worst, and he still wanted me. He still loved me so much so that he was willing to send Jesus for me. And just think that through. God still loves you, and he wants you. Not the perfect version of you, but you exactly the way that you are. In Romans 5, verse 8, Romans 5, verse 8, and um, some of you wanted me to let you know when I'm using a different translation, so this is for you. This is the contemporary English version. It reads, but God showed how much he loved us by having Christ die for us, even though we were sinful. You know, then John 8 goes on to tell us that the Pharisees wore masks in order to appear righteous and appear that they were God-honoring. But Jesus knows, as he did with them, the true condition of our hearts. In John 8, verse 2, it reads, At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, but Jesus bent down and started right on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning, he straightened up and he said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You know, it's kind of interesting how this continues through verse 9. It says again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And I guess maybe this falls within the realm of those that are older maybe being a little bit wiser. Because as they heard this, it says, as this, if those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman was still standing there. Or maybe it's just that for the guys that were older, there's a lot more sin in their lives. So, you know, that may be why they decided to jet at that point. But unlike those around you and me, Jesus sees right through the mask. And I'm grateful that he does. Scripture tells us that God knows us better than we even know ourselves. Why? Because he made us. I'm glad we have a creator who knows our hurts, our confusion, our guilt, and our shame. And trying to pretend that we have it under control is useless and ultimately will only lead to more hurt. More confusion, more guilt, more shame, and more pain. Let's face it. There's no way that we can live this life perfectly without Jesus Christ. He knows all about all of our imperfections, all of our sin, all the sin that we're guilty of. 
He knows when we're frustrated and angry at ourselves for having committed these things. And only when we take off the mask and we're honest with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can healing begin and forgiveness take place. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I mean, that just generates a sigh of relief for me right now, just thinking through this. Like, man, I'm not on my own with this. God's right there at my side, in front of me, behind me, lifting my arms, pointing me in the right direction, if I'm willing to listen. Yeah. You know, I think with that, sometimes there are emotional masks, the masks we hide behind because of fear. For example, if you're insecure, you might be hide behind the, na- the mask of name-dropping. If you're unsure of ourselves, we can hide behind the mask of being a bully. If we don't think friends or families love us, we can hide behind a, a, a mask of anger. And my, my personal go-to mask, I, I'm ashamed to say, has been anger. You know, sometimes, uh, in just thinking through it, I... I, I think that maybe it's a matter of me wearing the mask to distance myself from pain or certain situations in my life rather than deal with it or being vulnerable. And I mean, honestly, vulnerability, going into even the thought process is debilitating for me. But it's so amazing when I've been vulnerable with whoever the vulnerability has been demonstrated with, how there's this incredible degree of connection and it never plays out the way that I play it in my head. You know, sometimes it's rooted in the fear of if people know my weaknesses, it will be used against me, and I'll be hurt all over again. You know, for some of us, we we mask debt that we've incurred to pay for lifestyles we can't afford. We pretend things are fine at work when our jobs are on the line. We pretend things are okay in our marriages when there's real issues or challenges rather than dealing with it, being real, being vulnerable, taking the mask off. So this morning... I've got three practical reasons why we should shed our mask. First reason we need to shed our mask is relief. Amen. For those of you watching with me this morning, just, just to take a real big deep breath here, because I know some of the stuff up to this point may have been a little concerning. <sighs> relief, right? It's exhausting to live an inauthentic life. You put on a mask or two or ten, and then you take off a few and you put a couple more on. It's exhausting. Worst of all, we start to forget who we really are and whose we really are. A comedian actress, Fanny Bryce, explained, and I think this is before my time because I don't know who she is, but I thought the quote was pretty cool. So she says, let the world know, let the world know you are as you are. Not as you think you should, because sooner or later, if you're posing, you will forget the pose. And then where are you? You're a poser! Would be the more current, well, I think it's more current vernacular. I'm sure the teens probably have something else they use today. But anyways, you know, and we see just this incredible example of this, and it actually plays into the next point as well. But in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we have King David. And the chapter, chapter 11, starts out with the time the kings go to war. And King David, rather than being at the front line with his troops, is up on a roof. And he sees this beautiful woman bathing below him. And rather than turning around and walking back into the house or getting back out there on the battlefield where he should be, he, brings it, he calls in a messenger to find out who she is. And once he does that, he realizes that she's a married woman. 
But he sends the messenger to summon this woman anyways, and he brings her into his castle. And then with that, things just continue to go downhill. He sleeps with her knowing that she's a married woman. A short time later, she becomes pregnant. Her husband is out there on the front line, Jariah. So David figures, you know, I'll put on this mask and that mask, and he just keeps on being deceptive. And as, each, as he travels along this road, it just, he just gets deeper and deeper in it. So now he brings in Uriah, hoping that he can get Uriah drunk. Uriah will sleep with his wife, and it will cover up the pregnancy. Well, Uriah, being a man of great character, he's like, I don't want food and drink. My guys are out there on the battlefield. I, I want to be out there on the battlefield. And David tries to convince him to hang out, and he ends up sleeping on the porch. He doesn't go home to his wife. He doesn't get drunk. So at this point, David realizes this isn't going anywhere good for him as far as maintaining this mask of righteousness or whatever it was he was trying to protect. So he sends Uriah out to the front lines and he talks to one of his commanders in chief and says, look, I want you guys to go right up to the wall. Because as you're, as you're trying to uh, take out another uh, warring party and they're behind a wall, as you get up to that wall, the guys that are the first ones there are the first ones to die. So he's all, I want you to go all the way up to the wall, and as Uriah's right there at the front, forefront of this battle, pull back the troops, which is exactly what happens. And Uriah is killed. And it just, it just keeps escalating and escalating until chapter 12, the prophet Nathan calls David out. And David really, again, he's still wearing the mask, still trying to pretend he's something he's not. And Nathan says to him, you know, there's this, there's this rich man that's got just incredible flocks of sheep. And then there's this poor man who's only got one. And the rich man takes the sheep from the poor man, his one ewe lamb. And they serve that up. Wow. And when David finds out about this, he's enraged. And he's, he's ready to take out vengeance on this guy. Until Nathan says to him, you are that man. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to Psalm 38. Psalm 38, after David's confronted by Nathan, God removed the mask. Mm. And it's, it, he, David says in Psalm 38, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down on me. Because of your wrath, there's no health in my body. There's no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There's no health in my body. I'm feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. You know, what we can see in this passage is pretense. Wearing a mask is debilitating. It takes a massive amount of energy. And being real and vulnerable is the way to lose this mask and start the healing process. And we see this with David in this passage. He's finally tapped out. He's embracing who he is. He realizes what an affront this was to God. And the healing process starts. You know, for many of us, this happened when we really understood what took place at the cross. That didn't happen until we owned our sin and confessed. And this alleviates the control that Satan has over our lives by putting it out there in the open. So, number one, the first reason we should shed the mask is relief. Number two, the second reason is we should set, we should set our mask, and that's when the healing begins. And healing sounds good, right? 
you know, with that too, we just got a text this morning. Please keep Mike Rock in your prayers. Um, he's back in the hospital. We don't know the specifics, but you know, let's be praying for his healing. Amen. Amen. But when we we wear our mask, we carve a piece of ourselves out. We're withholding parts of ourselves as unworthy. But in relationships, we can't be truly healed unless we offer it all up, all the pieces. Right. It's like handing someone a broken vase and saying, here you go, and you know, keeping two or three pieces in your back pocket. What's that vase going to look like when it's done? <laughs> and really, really just understanding here that mask makes shallow what God has intended to be deep. Everything in our lives gets cheated when we choose to hide behind our mask. And that's not my point. That's some anonymous author that wrote that. But again, everything, or masks make shallow what God has intended to be deep. Everything in our lives gets cheated when we choose to hide behind masks. You know, this mask of deceit keeps us from being real and having real connections with anyone. It deprives us ultimately from a, a true life of purpose. Think about the New Testament. Jesus blasts hypocrites over and over again. The religious leaders of the day were put on blast. Matthew 23 is, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't even begin to really think about what's going on through Jesus' mind. And it, you know, this is one of the things I think that helped me become a Christian. I always thought Jesus was this really complacent, mellow little guy with a lamb around his shoulders that, you know, blessed be you, blessed be you, everything's good. And he was. I mean, God, he, he, he's given us this an, an immense degree of grace and mercy, knowing that he died for us on the cross, yet wait, hypocrisy, yeah. hiding behind a mask, it flat riles him up. Right. Matthew 23, woe to you, you teachers of the law. Woe to you, woe to you. I mean, there's seven woes in there, if I remember correctly, and none of them are pretty. Right. And you never see Jesus put a sinner on blast like that. Right. He's much more concerned about being real and where our heart's at. And he knows we're broken. He knows we're sinners. That's why he came and died. That's right. Which is amazing. It. it is so amazing. But hypocrisy is something that he's appalled by. That's right. He has much harder words for the hypocrites than right. he does for sinners. Yeah. You know, and again, some of us, we can hide our talents from the kingdom, from the church. But, you know, God knows who you are. God knows how he created you. He knows more than you do as to what you're capable of. So it's time to take off the mask. Stop giving the best of the world. Let's start giving the best of the kingdom. You know, a psalm of David regarding this time with Nathan, I went through a really dark period of time in my own life in Orange County. You know, I've shared it before. As a minister, I was very involved with pornography. And I, I got Psalm 38. I mean, it weighed on me. Uh, I, there were times where yeah, I, I, I didn't contemplate suicide, but I, I really believed that, man, death would be so much simpler than having to deal with this. And then when we see, though, this incredible degree of healing that comes by being real and being vulnerable in Psalm 51. It's amazing the transition with David here after the, the committing of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. He says, Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. And this is the thing that's really key right here. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. 
Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb. Mm -hmm. Teach me wisdom, even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Amen. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Amen. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O oh God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that I may, my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. <laughs> it's a heavy passage. But it's amazing when we have that degree of brokenness, when there's that degree of remorse, and we're willing to be real and open and vulnerable, that is when true healing starts. Amen. And then the third and final reason to shed the mask is to live life to our full potential. Life to the full. God designed us to, and Jesus died so we can live life to the full. Not halfway life, not three quarters of the way life, but life to the full. And we have to bring all of who we are to what we do. You know, there are numerous people who have our same skill sets or maybe even better. I know there's a lot of ministers out there that may, we're talking same skill sets and what they do is so much better. But you know, I'm not really concerned with that because none of these people bring the same personality, creativity, talents, spirit, in my case, nerdiness, whatever it is, to the, my endeavors. No one can do that. No one can duplicate me. Right. And the irony is that we often mask that part of ourselves at work or around friends and family, and we lose our greatest potential. Mm. How can we achieve our full potential? You want to know? Yeah. Tell us. It starts with being surrendered to God and not worrying about what others think about you or how they perceive you. Amen. If Jesus truly is Lord of our life, then we are perfect in God's eyes as we continue to mature in Christ. To live to our full potential is to come out from behind the mask in accordance with what the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 8, 28. Paul says, verse 28 of Romans 8, We know that all, good thing, or all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers, and those that he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You know, there's, sometimes there's confusions with, confusion with this passage, but it should be really cleared up in the fact that who does God want saved? Everybody. He wants all saved. So who has God called? Everybody. God has called everybody. But he is a God that allows us to make decisions. He is a God that allows us to choose. Right. God wants all to be saved. God wants all to live life to the full. Every man and woman on the face of this planet have been called to fulfill God's purpose. Right. Have you responded to the calling? See, if you have, you've been conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. 
There's one place and one place only that that transformation takes place, and it's very simple. You go to the book of Acts. This is after Jesus had resurrected from the dead, spent some time with his guys. Holy Spirit pours out on the apostles, assuring everybody there that this was something of God that was about to take place. And Peter gets up and he preaches this amazing sermon, and he lets everyone know why Jesus Christ came. And what the significance of Jesus' life was, but even more so, what the significance was of Jesus' death, which to the Jews, they got it. They understood sacrifice for sin. They understood that that life is in the lifeblood of the animal that was used as a sacrifice back then, and now life is in the blood of Jesus, which was shed for us on a cross. And it says, when the people understood this, they were cut to the heart in verse 36. And they responded with, well, Peter, what then should we do? And Peter's response was, get baptized for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, where does life start to the full? Where does that purpose come in? When we take on the image of Christ, which is once we've been purified from sin, through the waters of baptism. Mm -hmm. That's where it starts. That's where that transformation takes place. Today, let's be honest. See, God has an image He wants us to wear. Right. God wants us to put on the image of His Son. Amen. Because He knows by doing so, when people live life to the full, it has an impact. It doesn't matter what we say as much as it is what we do. And when people see that, there's an excitement that's generated. People realize, you know what, there's more to life than drudgery of a job. You know, I know some of you don't view a job as drudgery. Uh, it's got a little bit more challenging for me with all this Zoom stuff. I, you know, I'm there with you. For those of you that are fed up with Zoom, you you have a fellow supporter here. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that alone too. There was another path I could have gone without. But anyway, so just really understanding that God encourages to wear Jesus mask, the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And today, let's be honest. Let's assess: Are you wearing a mask? And if you are, is it? the mask of Christ. As disciples, confession and repentance is a way to deal with the ungodly things that we can hide behind the mask. If you don't know what a disciple of Christ is or haven't been baptized as an adult for the forgiveness of sin, is it a time that you ask Jesus to help you shed your mask or mask? Amen. Isn't it time to seek forgiveness of the things that you've been so desperately trying to hide? There's nothing more freeing than to know that you're forgiven and no longer need to hide from God because of your fear and guilt about anything that may have taken place in your past. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to reveal the truth about God through His life and His teachings. God sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for our sins that whoever believes in Him repents of their sin and is obedient to Him and His commands so we can have the ultimate joy, which is forgiveness from sin and the obstructor, and the obstructor of operational Communication. It's the only way to get Satan out of the camp. If you are a guest today, ask the friend that invited you how their lives are transformed. Ask to connect with us on our chat right now if you're watching this live on YouTube. And finally, as we pray for communion, I ask you, are you ready to take off the mask? Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, you are an amazing God. And I'm so grateful 
that you know my inner workings, that you created me, that I can be confident in the fact that you are my creator, you also are my deliverer. And that forgiveness comes because of the incredible gift that you gave us through Jesus Christ, your son. Father, as we take communion right now, help us to reflect on that. Uh, if there are things that we need to get real and vulnerable about and be open about, uh, help us to shed that mask. But God, more than anything, in this lost world with all the craziness that's so evident around us, even in our neighborhoods today, the only means of overcoming that is through the blood of Jesus Christ and really putting on that image, the full image of Jesus and the way we conduct ourselves in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our classrooms, wherever it is we might be, Father, help us to always look to you and that incredible sacrifice, this willingness that you had to send your son to die for us when we were at our worst. Father, thank you this morning that we can, re we can rejoice and live life to the full because of your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.